0: Rams all-access on ESPN LA 710. It's the Bob McNair edition. Yes, DFAR and Miles Simmons, Rams insider. The inmates are running the asylum. Remember that quote? Yes, I I call that the Bob McNair edition. Absolutely. (laughs) Whole lot of fun. Sunday in Arizona was great. Um, Hand-picked opponent. You couldn't pick a better opponent for what the Rams needed.
1: Absolutely, not a get-right opponent. Absolutely, and that you know what I was talking to the players after the game in the locker room, sort of about that, and they're like, "Oh, it wasn't really a get-right game." You know, I mean, it was more. They're about lying. Us that I, I know. <laughs> players lie. Exactly. They're in the. They're in somebody else's house.
0: You have to be nice.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing. It was so good to for the Rams to have that opponent so that they could get their own stuff right. You even saw them try new things, but overall, when you get a thirty-one to nine victory, I think you just saw the Rams do what they needed to do to get ready for the playoffs absolutely I you know I called it a soft opponent
0: on the way out I hate to say that on the way in because I have so much respect for Larry Fitzgerald David Johnson just football in general but on the way out you can say Soft opponent, and I thought it was great for the offensive line to get right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to come in and have a a team that really struggled to stop the run.
1: I mean, struggled to do things right in the run game. They didn't do really much of anything right defensively. They chased the ball. (laughs) They they got the Well, they had the one opportunity early, you know, when C.J. Anderson runs into Rob Havenstein, and then, oh, by the way, okay, that's going to cause a fumble on Jared Goff. But other than that, what can we say that the Cardinals really did defensively to stop the Rams? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I
0: mean, I thought C.J. Anderson
1: was exactly as advertised. He
0: looks like a little bowling ball, and that's how he ran. Man, he was better than advertised. You, you know, think so? Yeah. I mean, with the holes he was given, well, with the blocking right. he had up front, you better be able to take advantage of that.
1: Exactly, and he's a professional running back, so he can do those kinds of things. But I, when you sign off the street, you're not supposed to run twenty one sixty seven. Well, I, you know, I hate saying this, and I hate when
0: people say this, but I think we could have ran between, like, had a hundred yards with those holes. No, we couldn't have. I, I swear, we could have. <laughs> I mean, most of the stuff was just straight ahead and run over a safety. I mean that's that's basic football. That's back to J V football. It,
1: even if it is though, DeMarco, you still have to go out and execute it. I'm giving CJ Anderson a ton of credit. Yeah. When we we're on Rams pregame live before the game, you said you thought he was gonna get ten carries probably. I
0: said the over under was ten. And, and You I was, were
1: taking the under or slash pushing.
0: I said and at the end of the game, if the score gets lopsided, I bet he has ten carries in a row to end the game. Well he didn't. No, no, I mean but but I mean they did a much better job. Dictating the pace of the game than I thought, which means Arizona was worse than I thought on defense. Uh, that's fair. They couldn't stop anything or anybody in a Rams uniform on Sunday.
1: He had six different guys take a carry, not including Sean Mannion yeah. for those last couple kneel downs, and all of them finish with positive yardage.
0: Right. You, you know, but I, I did leave with this opinion or this thought. If CJ Anderson can give you that for the rest of the year, however long this lasts, and you get Todd Gurley back healthy with that, That's a hell of a one-two. Oh, for sure. If he can look like that carrying the football in spot duty for Todd Gurley, you don't get a rest as a defense.
1: Well, but the other thing is, C.J. Anderson, to me, is the perfect fill-in guy for Malcolm Brown. Perfect, yes. Because that, I think, is what Malcolm Brown could have given you had Malcolm Brown been healthy and been out there, and then you wouldn't have had any problems. That's the thing that makes me
0: makes me shed a tear. These these last two weeks would have been prime Malcolm Brown territory. I oh, mean, yeah. he really could have made a name for himself league-wide with these last two weeks with Todd being out. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it goes, though. It, it, it does. And that's a shame because you know, he
1: is going into a contract year.
0: Big know? time. Uh, but look, I think he's done enough, uh, especially if you go back to that New Orleans game when you think he's just a backup or just uh, a guy that runs the football with physicality. No, the guy can catch, and he can score, too. For Sure. He's pretty damn good. What'd you think of Jared Goff coming out of Sunday?
1: I thought that was the best I've seen Jared Goff look since at least Kansas City, maybe even before that, because I thought the the way he was using ball placement was better than it's been especially since the bye week for sure. But even in terms of that Kansas City game, there were a couple of throws like that one deep when he had to Robert Woods where he wasn't hitting guys in stride and things like that. Right. Jared Goff, I thought, did a really nice job of just delivering the ball right where he had to. Yeah, his game.
0: accuracy came back, and I think that if you couple that with the protection he had, no shock. Yeah. He gets time, he can pick you apart.
1: That's, that's his thing.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I think we saw that look in his eye, that demeanor. I know he doesn't change, and we're not inside the helmet, but... To me, on the field, he just looked like a more confident guy on Sunday.
1: Absolutely. And and that's the thing, where he had the protection in order to be that confident guy. And we were talking about this last week on um, our podcast that we do. But when there is no you can time— say it between the horns. Between the horns. Pump that thing, man. Okay, yeah. Come on. So subscribe on Th- iTunes. There you and, uh, go. Don't go that far. Uh, all right. Anyway. anyway. But the, the thing is, okay, when he has time, he looks right. Right, he had time. He looked right. And yes. I think honestly, I think it's kind of that simple. But also, when you have ball placement and when you're seeing him hit Robert Woods the way he hit Robert Woods on that 39 yard touchdown, and he's moving to his right, yeah, and he's get, like that is the stuff that Jared Goff was doing early on in the season. Things like in the Vikings game where we have not seen that for a while.
0: When he looks right, he is downright scary to me as a defender, a former defender. And Robert Woods, you know, the guy just continues to make play after play after play carrying the football or catching in runs. How in the hell did he wind up a fifth alternate in the Pro Bowl? I don't know. We need know. to
1: change the entire system. I don't know. But I'll tell you this, too. What's really cool about Robert Woods right now, he is only the fourth player in NFL history to have at least 60 yards receiving in 14 straight games in the same regular season. He's the, the fourth? Fourth. The fourth guy there in the history fourth. of the league. In the history of the entire NFL. So three guys in him. Marvin Harrison, Antonio Brown, Andre Johnson, Robert Woods. Wow, that's funny. All in the modern era. Yeah, it's true.
0: Yeah, the, the league is changing. But, I mean, that puts him in elite category, and I think that kind of underscores what we're saying. How in the hell did he wind up the fifth alternate in the Pro Bowl? I don't know, man. You need to pump guys like this in the league. Yeah. Why do we always give, like, you know, Mike time and— shine to guys that take away from the league instead of guys that contribute to it are you talking now Uh, you know what i'm saying i know don't don't even bring it up you know what i'm talking about the guys that don't cause trouble (laughs) in the offseason all this guy wants to do is get better and win championships and we make him a fifth alternate we should be pumping this guy up
1: absolutely and that's the kind of thing that i think now when you see the rams having the success that they're having robert woods in the future that people are going to know his name. i hope so i mean it should have happened now it should
0: have happened when he was in buffalo um aaron donald What's he up to? 19 and a half sacks? 19 and a half sacks. 19 and a half sacks. I mean, look, I don't think there is a Barry Bonds out there for him. So if he goes out there this Sunday and gets 21 and a half, and in my opinion, that breaks the record because Strahan got a free one at the end.
1: Oh, man, I was going to ask you how do you feel about that record. I, I, I love There are it, people, people who have yeah. gotten 22. Which Stray deserves mean?
0: it. Stray deserves it. He's a good <laughs> rusher, but... I mean, I don't think there is a Barry Bonds. Like, whatever he does, wherever Aaron finishes in the regular season, I don't see a guy next year that's going to break it. No. or come close to doing what he's doing. Well,
1: at least especially not from the interior. Right. Well, this is this is special. And, you know, it's funny because I remember you saying when he breaks my record, which is the Rams franchise record for defensive tackle sacks, which was 11 and a half, you said he wasn't just going to break it, he's going to obliterate it. Yeah. And uh, lo
0: and behold. Well, damn, dude, you don't have to like stomp it into the ground. I mean, you could have stopped
1: at 15. Hey, but you know what? Uh, you, he, you had that record for a really long time. Yeah. Well, look. So, and now, yeah. I think, look, this guy is a generational player, and we are seeing one of the most special defensive player seasons in the history of the NFL this year
0: and I don't think he's slowing down I don't think he cares whether it's San Francisco or a playoff game it just it matters to him to be the most dominant guy on the field ever yes and he shows that play in and play
1: out and the first thing he always says in the locker room after the game is well I got a lot of room for improvement
0: how yeah well I mean to be honest I I see where it's unfair to say, but, I mean, yeah, everybody can improve. Speaking of improvement, um, an Indomitian Su sighting. Yeah. Knocked a few passes down, got a sack. I mean, he looked like Indomitian Sue of old. Yeah. Not an old Indomitian Sioux.
1: Right, and that's the nice thing to see from a guy like him, especially moving on into the postseason. You need that guy to be the guy that you signed.
0: Absolutely. You know? I mean, look, maybe he was just sandbagging or just waiting for the postseason, but it's time for him to start being dominant, be- being the next guy next to Aaron Donald. Yes. If you want to win— In the postseason, or in fact, this Sunday. We're going to get into this in the next segment about San Francisco and what they're all about and how they can hurt you. But if you have designs on being a championship football team, then he's got to be that guy you saw on Sunday week in and week out. No
1: doubt. No doubt about it.
0: Yeah, coming right back. We're going to talk about the San Francisco 49ers coming to town. How can they hurt the Rams? Can they stop this Rams roll, this one-week roll? We'll talk about it next. Rams All Access, ESPN LA 710. Access on ESPN LA 710, back with Miles Simmons. I'm D Farr. Hey, um, I kind of like Todd Gurley sitting in pajamas watching the team play.
1: Yeah, when the team wins like that, it's not a bad thing.
0: No, not at all. And a healthy Todd Gurley is the most important Todd Gurley. It's it's the only thing that, that matters going
1: forward if you want to win a Lombardi. I would agree. Absolutely, because of the way this offense has run through Todd Gurley throughout the last two years. And when you have a guy like C.J. Anderson who comes in and performs as well as he did last week, I mean, it does give you that luxury of saying, all right, you know what? Even if Todd feels a lot better, like he could go, maybe we just keep him on the shelf. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I love Sean McVay. I think he's a great head coach,
0: especially with how he deals with the media. But when he says that we'll play Todd as much as we need to to get the first round by, I mean... I think a lot of that is smoke. I think a right. lot of that is just gamesmanship mm. going into this week with the 49ers.
1: But if you need... I mean, you really need that first round bye. Yeah. You're, you're I think old, you're good enough to get it without him. I, you, you've showed that you can be good enough to get it against a team that is now 3-12 and and looks like it might clean house. Yeah. The 49ers, I don't think, are that team.
0: I don't think so. Well, I mean, they have some pieces. We, we'll hear from Nick Wagner later. He's going to tell us all about those pieces, but... If memory serves, Arizona beat San Francisco? Yes, twice, twice this, this year. year. Yeah. And you just handled Arizona in Arizona.
1: But though, that was earlier in the year. You know, you know though yeah. circumstances can kind of dictate and determine They beat
0: Seattle, things. they up jumped and beat Seattle. They gave Chicago a fight. I'll yes, give them that. They
1: probably should have beaten Chicago. They could have beaten they...
0: Chicago. So the Rams should have beaten Chicago in Chicago.
1: I don't agree with that. I
0: mean there there were opportunities <laughs> out there to win the game and you just it just didn't happen. There
1: were, but yeah, yeah. no what you think Chicago's all that right now no I think that on that day there like the Rams could have played Chicago 10 times out of ten in those same circumstances and I don't know if okay one, if you move it games.
0: out of the cold weather and you bring it to la I think that game's entire it's completely different yes I agree okay but there I get I get what you're saying but this weekend I really don't think you need number 30 carrying the football to beat San Francisco you shouldn't In theory, you
1: should not need 30 carrying the football to beat San Francisco.
0: I think CJ Anderson is enough. I think Jared Goff is enough. I think Robert Woods is enough. I think Gerald Everett coming on as a weapon is enough
1: yeah especially what I thought was interesting from that last game DeMarco was that they used so much 12 personnel which they not used basically the entire season and so Gerald Everett comes in and he becomes this big weapon and now you see them using these two tight end sets that they just haven't used all year they're using tight end jet sweeps it looks great yeah
0: as long as you have guys to do it it's going to work two 12 personnel is obviously two tight ends one running back so that's when you see Higby Everett and CJ Anderson or it would be Todd Gurley anybody else back there. That's what we call 12. But, yeah, I mean, I, I talked to Sean McVay after the game about 12 personnel, mm-hmm. and he just gave me this wink. You know, it's like, dude, it's I know how to use 12. It's just my preference is 11.
1: Right. Yeah, it's no big deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, well, I asked him about it in the post-game press conference, and he was just like, yeah, you know, just decided to switch things up. But then he, he shifted to his tone of like, yeah, I'm being smirky right now. Yeah. Was, you never know what's coming next. I thought it was great. It gives upcoming opponents something else to worry about Mm -hmm. because I
0: thought they were just as dynamic in 12 as they've ever been out of 11. They they cause just as many problems for the defense in 12 personnel with two tight ends as they do with just one on the field.
1: Right, exactly. And that, I think, shows what Gerald Everett is becoming, which is this bigger weapon in the offense. And I talked to him this week, too, um, and what he was saying is that, you know, when he had that shoulder injury, it happened in training camp, it it kind of wiped out a lot of what they had done in OTAs to get ready for the season, because they had been working on a lot of things with two tight end sets. And really, Sean McVay has said this, too, that because of of the Gerald Everett injury, well then you just kinda got locked into eleven personnel with your three wide receivers with Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and hey those three guys are so good. Why do you want to take one of those guys off the field? So now that you don't have a Cooper Cup in there, maybe you do expand things a little bit more for Gerald Everett and you see what he can be and he can be dynamic. Who's the Wubby now for
0: Jared Goff? The the safety blanket, if you will Robert Woods. Robert, Robert Woods, I, would Woods say. You yeah. did, I mean it seems like Gerald Everett is turning into that guy when things break down When you're in the jazz session, when the play doesn't work or the defense actually wins that rep and Goff has to scramble or find a new receiver, it seems like he's finding Everett a little bit more.
1: Well, Everett, I think, sometimes is closer to the line of scrimmage in those routes. He's kind of more that check down option, especially if Todd Gurley's not in the game. That, I think, is the guy that you kind of look for to be the catch and carry guy because he is so dynamic. He can break tackles. He can shift his shoulders and whatnot and keep moving up the field.
0: And and not to get too far away from what's really important, the offensive line looked different. On Sunday, than yes. they had been in the last
1: month or
0: since the bye week.
1: Well, it, it, they look like themselves. I think we can say that, you know. Yeah, and they hadn't really looked like themselves for the last those few weeks, and that's a problem when you can't when you when you're letting pressure up the middle like that. It just does not allow the offense to be the offense that we're used to. You're right, and you look as long as they can do that.
0: I, we not to get too far ahead, but if you can look like that against anybody, any any opponent in the National Football League, especially this Sunday against San Francisco, and you get that first round bye, that means three or four weeks off for Todd Gurley. Yeah. So not only does he have a chance to get healthy, he has a chance to get fresh. Yeah, and that should be scary for anybody in the and anybody else left in the NFC
1: for sure. Because when Todd Gurley is healthy and Todd Gurley is right, Todd Gurley is dynamic. Right. It, it, that, think about the Todd Gurley we saw last December. Oh my God! When he was get, yeah, when he's getting breaking off eighty yard screens against the Tennessee Titans to help win the division.
0: I mean, a fresh Todd Gurley. Wow. Yes, please. Uh, defensively speaking. Uh, it, it seems like we're getting more of Aaron Donald, which is great. I am concerned about some guys that got banged up in Arizona. Tlaib and LaMarcus Joyner kind of banged legs in there. and.
1: Yes. Not sure how they reacted. Any inside news to that? Well, Talib came back into the game and so when we were talking to Sean McVay earlier in the week, he really said like, he focused more on LaMarcus Joyner than anybody else because LaMarcus Joyner had the injury that was announced. That was the ankle injuries considered day to day. So basically LaMarcus Joyner and Todd Gurley are sort of on the same track right now in terms of their day to day. We'll see how they practice throughout their course of the week and then Friday we'll have more of a better indication but I, I don't know. If, if you're thinking about those guys and are they banged up a little bit, you might want to rest them a little bit more just because you want to get them maybe a couple weeks as opposed to just one game or one week off with the bye week. No doubt.
0: Banged up a little bit is scary, especially when you think of Kittles coming to town. Mm -hmm. George Kittles is a monster. He is a beast. He is unstoppable. And the Rams haven't stopped the tight end all season. And this might be the best one they faced.
1: Uh, well, they faced a lot of really good ones. Yeah. I mean, Ertz, you've got uh, Jerk Cook, even has been playing very, very well. Yeah. So it's That not guy like, in Kansas City. Yeah, Travis Kelsey is another <laughs> right. one. So, yeah, they, they faced some really good ones they
0: this did, year. They locked down Ertz. They did. It, but they let All Sean Jeffrey get open. Right. So it's kind of like pick your poison. But this guy, I mean, look, the 49ers. Have a they, it's a dedicated effort to get him the football because that's all they can do oh, right he's now. He's their best player. Yes, and he's all that's all they can do right now. Yes, and that's going to be trouble. So I hope Lamarcus is healthy. I hope whoever is over the top, it could be Marquis Christian, who I like. Mm -hmm. A a kind of a tight end specialist, so to speak, for this Rams defense.
1: Yes, he's played a lot of that in their dime package when they've got a bunch of defensive backs on the field. He's been kind of that guy.
0: Right, and when you need a stop, you probably put Tlaib over top of that tight end. He's been that guy. A lot of fun. A lot of good stuff. You know, coming out of Arizona, I guess it builds confidence, which is exactly what this team needed. I think their confidence was shaken after losing to Philadelphia. Is that
1: fair? Uh know if i would say confidence was shaken i would say that they knew they needed to get this right against arizona though does that make sense uh you know uh, okay
0: i mean agree to disagree okay yeah so look when we come back rams all access on espn 710 espn la 710 we will talk i lost that what did you say miles was talking when you were talking
2: i said we'll talk about the significance of being perfect in the nfc
0: west all right When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about the significance of being undefeated in the NFC West. I think it's a big freaking deal. What about you? I think it is Save that for next. Rams All Access, ESPN ESPN LA 710. (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. Uh, What we were talking about, this is a great stat, Miles. If you win the NFC West, if you go perfect... If you run through the NFC West, there's a good chance you'll wind up in the Super Bowl. Am I correct about
1: that? Yes, I believe that you are. Are you going to say the stat or am I? No,
0: you're going to say the stat. All right, well, the
1: stat You're the stat is, guy. Okay, am I yeah, the stat guy? You How are the stat guy. All right, that's fine. So, the stat is that of the four teams that have gone through the NFC West perfectly, so a 6-0 record in the division... Wait,
0: that, that would be Seattle?
1: Seattle. San Francisco. San Francisco, Francisco. I'm going to say Arizona? Arizona. Has to be. And, and the, well, yes, now the Rams, but that's those are the four teams in the division. Okay, fair so enough. So, if a team has done that since realignment in O two. Three of those four teams that have gone 6-0 in the division, undefeated in the division, have gone to the Super Bowl. Wow. Uh, I remember
0: those dominant Seattle Seahawks squads. I mean, that Legion of Boom defense. Yes. And and how tough it was to beat them. I, I never even put that together. If, you, if you're perfect through the West, the NFC West— You basically win the NFC and you're in the Super Bowl. Right. That that is the
1: trend, at least. So So, so the West is the toughest division in football? The West, it has been. It might not be this year. But honestly, I think you've got two of the toughest teams in the NFC in the division, and the Rams swept the Seattle Seahawks. Right. And now we're seeing what Seattle is doing, especially in the last couple weeks. I mean, yes, they did lose to San Francisco, but then they come right back and beat Kansas City at home in primetime on Sunday night. So Kansas City is one of the toughest teams in all football too.
0: No, no doubt. Uh, you look, uh, I knew we weren't done with Seattle. After the Rams beat them for the second time and swept the division series for 2018, I knew we weren't done. Now, they're a flawed football team. That's why you see them lose to the 49ers. But that's a prideful football team. That's a prideful head coach with one of the greatest quarterbacks we've seen in the last 10 years.
1: They're not going away. And they're not going away, and they really could make some noise in the postseason. And, and like if if things continue, they, they are definitely a team that you could see again wow, and for the third time. They have it where you don't like it. They like to run the ball
0: and just pound the daylights out of you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's been the Rams' Achilles' heel stopping the been. run.
1: But even in those two games, I mean, the Rams allowed probably the most rushing yards they have all season to the Seattle Seahawks in that second matchup. They had, I think, 273. Rams won. Right. Right. They gave a 190 in that first matchup. Rams won. Right. So you've been able to overcome that in those two matchups with Seattle so far this season. If everything
0: goes right, the Rams will win. They're just the better football team. But, I mean, what if the Rams have one of those turnover-filled days and they keep giving the ball back to the Seahawks (laughs) and they just grind clock and grind you out. I mean, that's that's a dangerous matchup in the postseason.
1: Absolutely it is, but that's why you have to play clean. That's why you can't have your quarterback turning the ball over the way that he had in the previous few weeks before, you know, in this last game against the Cardinals where things did get short up a bit.
0: No doubt. Look, if you throw picks, that's one thing. I mean, I can almost forgive a quarterback for throwing picks, especially when you're trying to be aggressive. You have an aggressive offense with, aggress- with an ag- aggressive play caller, an aggressive head coach. I can almost forgive that. The ones that are inexcusable to me are the ones in the pocket where you get stripped yeah cannot happen you have to protect the rock
1: i agree and those are the things that jared goff has had trouble with not just i mean historically if you go back to his time at cal especially in his freshman year he had a lot of fumbles back then and he even talked about this at the combine and he did shore up those um fumbling issues as he went through his college career but i remember one of my first really impressions of jared goff and seeing him in person was when he was at the combine and somebody asked him about his fumbles because of the hand size and you know how those things get turned into a big deal at the combine and he was like all right well how many fumbles did i have the rest of my career after my freshman year and they were like i don't know four or five or whatever it was he's like yeah okay but don't be that guy okay don't be that guy though so but okay but i say this to bring it back to the point that it's something that he has to be able to improve at this point in his career because you're three years in as a pro and when you're in the playoffs you cannot give the ball away
0: right? because you will lose. Or the regular season or any time. You can't do that. I mean, look, it's tough when you give the ball away in enemy territory and they put it in the end zone. You're mad at yourself for giving up the touchdown, but you're also mad at the guy that puts you in bad field position. Oh yes, It just disrupts the entire balance uh, of, of a football team when a quarterback does that. But don't get me wrong. If I had my choice of any other quarterback, I mean, there may be two or three, maybe five guys that I would rather have over Jared Goff at this point.
1: Right and now? that's just, and that's it. No, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair.
0: And the other guys, I think, are headed to Canton. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the current guys that are playing right now, I think. And next season and the season after next, it might be two. Well, and then just him. I think he's headed that way in the national football. Well,
1: I think what we're seeing and what you the Rams hope that they're seeing is the beginning of one of these long partnerships like Breeze and uh, and Sean Payton where you have the coach and the quarterback and the quarterback becomes really an extension of the coach on the field and you know they understand what's coming and how to prepare for defenses and how things fit in the offensive system and, and everything and how different players can fit within the offensive system. That's what you hope you're on the road toward.
0: No doubt. I love how Sean McVay coaches him. He coaches him like every other player. Like most most of the time, quarterbacks are their own separate entity. Like you don't talk to them; only the coach talks to them, and it's only in private. He coaches him just like he coaches a, a, the right guard.
1: Hmm. You have
0: to get better. This is what we're going to run, and Jared's going to run it perfectly. I yeah. mean, he tells
1: people what he's going to do in the second half. I, I think it's only. I think it's the the only way Sean McVay knows how to coach. You know, He only has one sort of speed, one sort of way of doing things, and that to me is what makes him so brilliant as a head coach. Well, next up, we're going to go behind enemy lines with a guy that knows everything, kind of like you. He actually, you
0: replaced this guy, didn't you?
1: Uh, sort of, in a way. It was a year after he left, but I kind of did. I think it's an upgrade. All right. Thanks. Well... Wow. Well, he's not listening. Uh,
0: yeah, <laughs> and, you're, and you're right in my face. Uh, so we're going to talk to Nick Wagner next. Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. Miles Simmons, far, the Bob McNair edition. The Bob inmates edition. are running the asylum. Here we go.
1: On the phone right now is a buddy of ours, Nick Wagner... What does Nick do again, Miles? Nick is the beat writer for the 49ers for ESPN's NFL
2: Nation.
0: Uh, See, I'd like to say Nick is just a friend, and he's a 49er insider, so we're going to have him on right now. Uh, Nicky, what's going on, man?
2: Not much. How are you guys doing?
0: Good. Can't complain. Um, You know, coming into 2018, I mean, the talk was there was going to be a renewed rivalry between the L.A. Rams and the San Francisco 49ers. Unfortunately, the injury bug has hit the Niners – Big time. I guess we have to put this rivalry on hold
2: until next season. Yeah, it certainly looks that way. And as of right now, it looks like the Seahawks are still kind of the top challenger for the Rams in the NFC West. If you even want to call anyone a challenger. When the, when the Rams wrapped it up, I thought it was it felt like it was a little like Halloween when they had the NFC West uh, wrapped up, but yeah, the the Niners had had some bad luck this year. Obviously, anytime you lose your starting quarterback in this league, especially one that you think is going to be the guy who kind of elevates your team, which is what the Niners were were counting on coming into this year, particularly after the way they finished last season, uh, you're going to have to kind of put some things on hold. And so this season really has been about for the Niners, and and as as, as someone who covered for the Rams through some very very lean times. Um, I, I'm not, I'm you know, no stranger to covering teams this way. But when when you, when you lose a quarterback very early in the season, uh, you kind of already get an idea of how that year is going to play out and what's going to be important over the course of that year. And that's where the Niners are at right now. This year has been about trying to develop a lot of their young players so that when Garoppolo gets back, when Jarek McKinnon gets back, some of the other injured guys get back, they're going to have a better supporting cast in place. And that's kind of what they've been trying to angle towards. And, and there's been some signs of that. You know, there's been some good things. There's been some bad things. That Still have some major holes that I think need patching up this offseason, but um, you know I I don't think they're quite as bad as the record would imply, particularly when they get their quarterback back.
1: Yeah, that's the interesting thing, Nick. I mean, how has Shanahan been able to keep these guys going because they have been really competitive, especially these last couple weeks.
2: Yeah, Miles, that's that's really been kind of the, one of the impressive things. You know, you can see a team a lot of times when they reach that point where there just isn't anything left anymore or where, where you know, maybe they give up. But uh, a lot of these guys really do believe in Kyle Shanahan. And I think when you look across the roster and you see some of the guys who have performed at a really high level, a lot of that is a credit to Shanahan, particularly on offense. You know, that's what his reputation is as an offensive mind. And you, you look at guys who, you know, undrafted guys, Matt Breida, you know, Quarterback Nick Mullins, Uh, you know, Josh Kittle has had a breakout. He was a fifth round pick just a year ago. These are guys that Kyle Shanahan is putting in position to have really big years and really kind of establish themselves in the league. And I think when other guys on the team see that they think hey that could be me and i think that really contributes you know from an x's and o's standpoint that really contributes to their belief in him and then i think just as a as a guy i think i think they really like him i think he relates to players kind of like sean mcveigh does down there where you get a a younger coach who's who's got a little bit of you know charisma and a cool factor to him that that guys can buy into and the other thing with kyle sheenhan is he just tells the truth and you know i i kind of like him a little bit to bruce arian's where you know, he's, he's going to give you you know the 100% real truth all the time, and whether that's to your face, behind your back, you know he's he's not going to lie to you, and, and I think guys buy into that.
0: I really respect that, absolutely. We're talking with Nick Wagner, 49ers insider. What is he again, Miles? A 49ers beat writer Thank for you. ESPN's NFL Nation. That's just too much for me to say. Hey, going back to George Kittles for a hot minute, I'm looking at his stats this year, 79 catches, uh, 1,228 yards, and four touchdowns, a 15.5-yard average. How much of that is him being that talented, and how much of that is him being him being the only weapon in an offense that's all beat up right now?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, there's some, I think there's some truth to the second part of what you said there, but I also think that a lot of it is George Kittle just being really good. And, and I think the, the biggest thing that I look at with George Kittle, and, and that tells me that this guy is a real guy, a guy who has got some Pro Bowl potential for the long run, and he did make the Pro Bowl this year, but I think he can continue to go to them over the next X number of years, is that his production has been the same no matter who's playing quarterback. It, you know, he's he's, played, he's had Garoppolo, and he did well. He had C.J. Beathard, who was a third-round pick a year ago, and he did well. And now he has an undrafted quarterback, Nick Mullins, who was on the practice squad a year ago, and he's done very well. And the numbers are all about the same no matter who's in there. Uh, a lot of what he does, and Kyle Shanahan deserves a tip of the cap in that regard, too, because he has some, some designs, and you guys see a lot of the similar designs just from a different scheme. Uh, that are getting him wide open, and he's getting a ton of yards after the catch. I think if you look at yards after the catch, the only players in the league are guys like Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey, who are running backs uh, that have more than him. In that regard, so uh, I think I think there's there's a lot of talent there. He was just a guy who was kind of overlooked, didn't get used a lot in the passing game when he was at Iowa. But is a really good athlete and comes from really good genes. If you look at his family history in terms of some of the athletes and stuff that have come through his family, uh, so that, that I think I think this is a guy who's going to be around and, and be kind of a nuisance to the league for a long, long time.
0: Oh, no, we're not overlooking him here. We haven't overlooked a single tight end all season long. Yeah, I don't think they can. <laughs> yeah, tight ends scare the hell out of the Rams defense. Uh, looking defensively, DeForest Buckner. Twelve sacks. I mean, that's something to write home about. But I mean, you're in the shadow of a guy that has nineteen and a half in Aaron Donald. (laughs) Tremendous year. I mean, is he improving? Is he getting better towards the end of the year?
2: Uh, Oh, Demarco wants to talk about defensive tackles. Knock me over with a feather. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, this is uh, no. He's he's a really good player, And, and you're right. I think Aaron Donald and. I mean, I, I tell anyone who asks me any time, Aaron Donald's the best football player I've ever covered, and I've covered some good ones in 15 years. But uh, so he's always going to kind of be on a level of his own. But I think if you go down to that next year, I do think DeForest Buckner belongs in that conversation with with the guy with the other guys who made the Pro Bowl this year, whether it's Fletcher Cox or Akeem Hicks or, or any of those guys. And the thing about Buckner that's most impressive to me is that. He's doing it without a lot of help. He doesn't have, guy, he doesn't have an edge-rushing presence who's consistently you know, drawing some double teams and creating one-on-one opportunities for him. Of course, Buckner almost never gets one-on-one opportunities, and he's still finding a way to get to a dozen sacks. And Obviously, that's the difference. Aaron Donald also doesn't get one-on-one opportunities, but uh, you know, he's got more. But I think Buckner is a guy who, who's really kind of underrated uh, league-wide. I think people are starting to take notice. He, he, was, a, he was a first uh, alternate this year for the Pro Bowl, so I think he's getting very, very close to that point, where he's getting the recognition, at least from his peers. Um, but I think at large, you know, the average NFL NFL fan doesn't know a lot about DeForest Buckner. Some of that is, again, they just haven't been that good. And, and you know, some of that kind of goes hand in hand. You have to be on a good team, in addition to being a really good player, unless you're just super special uh, on that Aaron Donald level to do that. But this is a guy who certainly is, a, is kind of a foundational piece. You mentioned Killa last. I think those are their two best players right now, and those are two guys that they're banking on to be kind of. Core cornerstones for this franchise moving forward
1: all right nick uh, i'm going to turn it back to offense because i want to ask about nick mullins can he actually play or is this just kyle shanahan being kyle shanahan and scheming it up
2: i mean you obviously have to take some of the the shanahan effect into account there but uh, let's be fair i mean this is this is a this is a kid who came in as an undrafted free agent has really really worked hard and i know we hear that about quarterbacks all the time right you get the first guy in the building last guy out of the building thing with quarterbacks Some of the guys, some of the stories you hear about Nick Mullins, even last year when he was on the practice squad and he didn't have a game that week, are just insane. And just to give you an example, Nick Mullins wears out Apple Music. And on Apple Music, what he does is he searches for stadium crowd noise and he'll he'll put it on his phone put his headphones on turn it up as loud as he possibly can he goes home and he sits on his couch and he yells out the plays <laughs> with the crowd noise in his thing and i can only imagine what his wife thinks of all this but this is this is this is the kind of work that this is the kind of stuff that he does on his own time to be to be really good at this and uh, you know I'm right Little bit, and you guys will remember the name of Austin Davis. Yeah, they're, they're both oh, yes. they're both Southern Miss guys. Uh, there's a little bit of that gunslinger mentality, I think, that just comes naturally from being affiliated with that school and with Brett Favre. You know, yeah. uh, there's something there, some sort of a trickle down effect. But 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 Mullins is an accurate guy. He's really smart. He's always prepared. There, he's got some limitations from from an arm standpoint, but uh, at least as a backup quarterback, Miles, I, I think he's a guy that has some staying power as well.
0: Hey, he's no Kyle Bowler.
2: Yeah, I mean, we can go down the list. We don't want to go down that No, let's not go down, go
0: down that, we
2: down that road. road. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want to go down the Keith Knoll rabbit hole. And no, back. let's oh, not wait, do that. No, wait, sorry. I
0: started oh, I just thought. got depressed. Nick, thanks, man. Get up and get in the shower. <laughs> All right, guys. Talk to you later. All right, man. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about a lot about what Nick had to say there about DeForest Buckner, of course. Uh, the guy is a menace. I wasn't sure. Was he talking about Aaron or Buckner there about... Not being single-blocked all season and not having a lot of help on the edge. Both, basically. Both guys. All right. We'll talk about that next. Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. (laughs) Ha ha. Nailed it, Miles. Got it. He's been making fun of me this whole show. Hey, man. You know what? If you can't say it, you can't say it. Stop it. I'm going to drill you. (laughs) And that's Miles Simmons, Rams insider, who's given me... Copious amounts of crap right now. Anyway, uh, what Nick Wagner had to say about George Kittles, I mean, really scares me. Um, They remind me of a bad high school team way back in the day that had two Division I players. One of them is Kittles, a guy
1: that you just can't stop. Okay, I'm going to—you keep calling him Kittles, man. It's It's not Kittles and Bits. It's Kittle. Have I called him Kittles? Yeah. Oh, Kittle. I'm sorry. <laughs> Kittle. <laughs> George
0: Kittle. Thank you for stopping me.
1: Ah, thank you. I, you know this what? is usually your job. I know. Anyway, well, go ahead. No, but I, I think you're right um, in that, especially that analogy. It's very good because Kittle is that guy who can beat you. And it, with you, when you have an undrafted guy like Nick Mullins, and, you know, it's funny that I is guess Is it Mullin or Mullen? It's Mullin. I'm just making sure. He's got an S on the end of his Since name. Since you want to be that guy. I go am ahead. definitely going to be that guy. You anyway. know, I got to make sure you're right. <laughs> Checks but, and balances. I, exactly. But yeah. I think when you have a guy like Mullins who's an undrafted guy who apparently doesn't care about his eardrums and he's got to be able to get the ball to somebody, it's yeah. got to be George Kittle. They always talk about the, the tight end being the security blanket. He's, he's always open. Blanket. He's
0: always open. Uh, you know, but the, the funny thing is when I watch their offense, there's only so much you can live on toss sweeps and slants Yeah. before somebody gets de- decapitated. And if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I don't care anyway. Half these guys won't be back next season. Fair. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, it's a basic offense, but you know, third and a mile, or second and a a miracle,
1: Kittle is getting the football. Well, here's the thing, though. I think that Shanahan has done still a really nice job of just scheming things up. Because when you look at who he was playing, I mean, Matt is probably not going to play this week. Um, and you also have Dante Pettis not playing this week. right? So those are their like other guys who were there with Kittle to kind of take something off of Kittle. yeah. But I think just the scheme, the fact that Nick Mullins can go out there and he can look like a competent quarterback, I think says just so much about Kyle Shanahan and the job he's doing with that offense.
0: Oh, no doubt. And don't get me wrong. The Rams, don't forget your shoulder pads and helmets this week. Oh, heck this no. is still a professional football team that's looking to Beat you. There's not, The sweetest thing in the NFL is moving on to the playoffs. You know what's even sweeter? Messing up somebody else's playoff run. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, so guys like DeForest Buckner, it only takes one, and then you're moving on in the playoffs with say Sean Mannion at quarterback. So, make sure you 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 bring your A game against the 49ers no matter what they have out there. No Fair enough. About it. Fair. Fair For enough. Sure. Uh moving on, who would you like to see as the 6 seed? And I hate even talking about this, but do you have a choice Minnesota Philadelphia? Who would
1: you rather see at that 6 spot? Oh, I don't know. Uh it's interesting because if you have Minnesota in that sixth spot, they're going to have to go play the Bears two weeks in a row. Right. So they've got the Bears at their place this week in at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota. Cool and then, spot, yeah, yeah, great, great stadium. Yeah. But if they win that game, oh, by the way, you're facing a division rival for the second week in a row. That's hard. It's tough. Um, I, I
0: thought Carolina would help us out, but Cam Newton was done with yes. the New Orleans. But I think that ship has sailed there. But yes. um, if I could— I mean, I, I would rather avoid Minnesota. Okay. Yeah, just because of their head coach, his mentality, that defense. Uh, they just have a playoff mentality every
1: time they take the field. Take away and run the football. Fair. But if you have the Eagles, though, so if Minnesota loses and the Eagles win, the Eagles get that sixth seed. So the Eagles would then have to go play the Bears. I think the Eagles can go in and beat the Bears. I agree with you. And
0: I'd rather see Philadelphia, to be honest. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a lot of football... For those guys in the last calendar year. That's true. Yeah, so at some point, they're going to run out of gas, and maybe it, it could be in the postseason.
1: Maybe they run out of gas, but maybe they just continue their championship pedigree. Because if they do beat the Bears, then they are, at, as the sixth seed, would then have to go face New Orleans. Wow. I, just Chicago, the Bears. I, I don't know. Um, I, I'd
0: rather leave that, that little rivalry in Chicago until next season.
1: Wait, what, playing Chicago? Playing
0: Chicago. They would come here. I know. But you'd still rather leave it. I would just rather leave it for okay. now. Yeah, just the way they handled you. You know what I mean? I, I know. They're, they they would come into the game with all sorts of confidence against you. But, I don't like that.
1: <laughs> I mean, I did say earlier in the show that in those same set of circumstances yeah. that the Rams played the Bears before, that I think they would lose for that game probably every time. But if the game is in L.A. and if and you Rams, have a healthy Todd Gurley, have a healthy Todd Gurley, right? You're coming off two wins, uh, presumably, right? You right. know, you're coming off a bye week. You're healthy. You're fresh. I think the Rams have a much better shot in their own building. Hopefully.
0: And Khalil Mack travels. Just remember that. Right. Yeah, cold weather, hot weather, it does not matter. That guy is still a load. I mean, look, he didn't get a sack versus the 49ers, but he disrupted everything. He's still that guy. Yes. And to me, he would be the only guy that can track down Aaron Donald next season as far as production and sacks. Yeah, but he's still league doing, wide.
1: He's still doing it from the exterior. He's not doing it from the interior. I know. Man.
0: I, I would always pick Aaron. And speaking of, this, countdown to kickoff begins at ten thirty on Sunday with Travis Rogers and Kirk Morrison. They will get you ready for kickoff. They will send it down to JB, Maurice, and myself and Miles Simmons. You're part of the team now. We will be on
1: Rams pregame live yes. about forty minutes before kickoff. Absolutely. On the social channels,
0: you are the fifth beetle. Thanks. You are the guy that we. You are Pete Best. Okay. Yeah. You know who Pete Best is? I don't. You don't know who Pete Best is? No, I don't. Miles, come uh, on, man. Yeah, you had to do
1: that on uh, the radio, too. Of
0: course, I, I have to. Uh, okay. He made fun of me for George Kittles. Wait. I like Kittles better than Kettle. <laughs> Kettle sounds better. Kittle sounds like Skittles. And I am hungry. I am, too. Are you starving?
1: I, I could use some food.
0: You know what I can. You know what we all need? We need a Rams victory on Sunday. How yes, about that? Yes. That to I beat the 49ers. Satiate my hunger. Absolutely. Get the first round by. Get healthy. Let Todd Gurley rest up a little bit more. And let's make a long postseason run. How about that? That'd be really fun. This would be really, really fun. This has been a fun regular season so far. Let's hope it keeps going into January and then February. Amen. Amen to that. Absolutely. And Jared Goff, we trust. And Sean McVay we trust.
1: And McVay we trust. And Wade we
0: trust. And Aaron Donalds we definitely trust. Absolutely. And Bones we trust. Hey, that's a guy that's on Front Street, by the way, before we go. Bones Fossil on Front Street. Because if you're the 49ers, you're pulling out all the stops on special teams. Mm -hmm. So have everybody ready. And remember, there's been some little... Tricks in special teams that have caught the Rams a few times off guard. Last week, big punt. Absolutely. So expect that on game day. This has been Rams All Access with Miles Simmons, Rams Insider, and DFAR. ESPN LA 710.